Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Front Office U Fridays. This is your host, Ryan Many. I'm excited here today to be joined here with Jared Ginsberg from the Edmonton Oilers. Jared, how's everything going for you today? Excellent. And Ryan, thanks for having me. Uh, very, very excited to do this. We're glad to have you join us here today on Front Office U Fridays and really look forward to our conversations uh, later today. But to start things off, usually what we do with our guest speakers on these segments is to get a little bit of background of uh, who Jared is and, and kind of how he got to your role over uh, as director of premium and ticket sales over at the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, sure. So um, I, like yourself, I'm probably a lot of the listeners, uh, very avid uh, sports business professional uh, coming up through school. Um, I ended up, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area, um, just south of San Francisco, ended up uh, going to school in Ontario, in Canada. I was really wanted to get into the business side of hockey, and I felt that uh, getting up to Canada would be a really great way to get boots on the ground and uh, start to get integrated into the hockey community uh, from the business side. I was uh, lucky enough to secure an internship um, in my uh, first year at school there uh, with the Kingston Frontenacs in the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, I was doing whatever they needed at that stage. So um, it was... Uh, hanging sponsorship banners, handing out lucky row of the game prizes, whatever was needed. And just sort of over time um, was able to take on more and more responsibilities uh, with, the, uh, with the team there. And by my last year's school, um, I was the director of game operations. So I was running all the game night entertainment, um, the scripting, music, um, intermission promotions, uh, all that kind of stuff. And also doing some sponsorship and ticket sales on the side for the team as well. Uh, so really paved the way for me uh, getting into my first couple roles. So I did an internship with the Binghamton Senators uh, at the time um, in the American Hockey League, uh, which is a great, great operation there and uh, learned a lot from some pretty well ingrained professionals that are in the industry. Um, and then got my first real gig uh, in sports headed back to California with the Fresno Falcons of the ECHL. And uh, we did such a great job there that the team folded a couple of years after I left. Um, but uh, I learned uh, some great things in the market there um, about uh, really trying to sell when the demand isn't, isn't quite there. And when it's 100 degrees out every day um, and you're trying to sell ice hockey, um, you, you learn the finer traits of selling and how to deal with your customers um, to get things over the finish line. So it was, um, while there was uh, obviously some challenges and struggles there learning how to sell, but um, definitely, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything because it was it was um, truly a, a school of uh, hard knocks, if you will, um, learning how to uh, sell and that. And I've taken a lot of pieces from how I sold at that time into some of my management uh, philosophies and trainings that I uh, provide even to this day. Um, so after a couple of years um, in Fresno, I was heading up ticket sales there, uh, ended up uh, leaving the industry and uh, heading back to the Bay Area to uh, work in a, a bit of a family business uh, for six years, which is a great experience and uh, was uh, fully integrated into all aspects of the business um, and learned a lot about, uh, I'd say, not just the sales side, but accounting and marketing and ordering and procurement, all that kind of stuff that uh, never would have gotten experience to. So uh, it was a good experience, but sports kept pulling me back. Um, and I got an opportunity to head back to Kingston uh, with the Frontenacs. Uh, they had just moved into a brand new 5,300 seat arena in, in uh, the heart of downtown on the waterfront, uh, beautiful facility. And I was brought in at that stage to uh, help put together a ticket sales program and structure um, that they were just lacking at that time. And so um, 
came in with the uh, with really no sales team in place at that stage and not a ton of programs in place from a sales perspective is really just season seats um, or individual game tickets were the only options and so I uh, had a great opportunity to spread my wings there and really build a sales team out, build a sales program. And we achieved some terrific numbers and um, some really great achievements, I think, as a, as a whole there uh, that uh, really proud of uh, the team that we had in place. Um, and towards my fourth year there, I finally got a call from uh, the Edmonton Oilers, um, seeing if I'd be interested in coming out to Edmonton to head up ticket sales here um for uh, both brands that we have some uh, both the Edmonton Oilers and our Western Hockey League team the Edmonton Oil Kings and um over my the course of my time here my role has uh, increased fairly significantly going from um heading up uh, ticket sales on both those those brands to now overseeing premium sales here in the building for both annual leases but also single game rentals um, along with heading up uh, business operations for our American Hockey League team in uh, Bakersfield, California as well. I mean, what, what a story there on kind of <laughs> your journey from the San Francisco Bay Area uh, and then making your way to college in Ontario. What was kind of the process like for you to kind of decide? I know you mentioned uh, you want to you want to learn as much as possible about hockey operations, but what kind of led to that final push or that that final decision to go, you know what? I'm going to Ontario for college. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the, the the big one for me is I want to get to the East Coast some some way, shape, or form. And so, looking at schools, it was uh, I, I wasn't necessarily geared in on a sports management program. I had some advice from a family friend that was fairly high up in um, in the industry and said, "Don't worry too much about the sports management program itself." Or said, "Get more of a business degree, but uh, but get the experience." And so, find opportunities where you can intern or volunteer. Um, or get a job opportunity uh, while you're still in school and get that experience because that's going to really give you a leg up. And I just felt being at a, um, a school in, in a relatively smaller Ontario town uh, with, a, with one junior hockey team that this was sort of a great opportunity to again get right into the mix of it. And they were um, the leaders that I had there were very gracious and giving me that opportunity to just say, okay, great, you want to work on this project? Go ahead. We have no one putting any attention to it now. So kind of get your hands dirty and um, is a bit of a uh, kind of a science lab for me in some respects as someone that was, again, really had no knowledge of the industry. Um, I was kind of taking my um, uh, my cues, I guess, from what I was learning in school at the time and trying to apply that into the business. And some of it worked, some of it didn't. Uh, but uh, it was really a risk free environment where I was able to uh, try a couple things out and learn some things along the way. Uh, but the experience was was phenomenal and I think gave me a, a real leg up um, eventually when I went to apply for roles because I had such a broad, uh, such broad responsibility with the team in Kingston at the time that um, kind of set myself apart from some of the other folks that had standard like just a ticket sales internship or things like that at the time. Well, I like what you what you mentioned about just getting your hands dirty and uh, having great leaders to kind of support you along the way and give you that opportunity to just showcase uh, your enthusiasm, your passion, and and just eagerness to learn about kind of what what it's what it's like to just run a hockey team, uh, and, and it's just a great story there. Kind of then leading into your experiences in colleges, um, for for our listeners who are juniors or seniors who may only have one or f- one or two experiences or still looking to get their first experience, what kind of advice do you have for our listeners uh, looking ahead, also post graduation of finding their first uh, first gig out of graduation. Yeah, so I think I think that I mean even getting to the to the first gig I think out of out of school really starts several years before that and I think for for the folks that are junior seniors or even before that I think it's really important to try and get as many opportunities as you can. 
And I think in a lot of cases, um, I do a lot of mentorship calls. Um, and uh, one of the things that I hear on, on quite a few of them is people's desire to, I got to be in one of the big major four professional leagues. And it's either that or bust. And I think there's there's um, maybe just a, a, I'm biased because I kind of came up through the minor league system. But I think there's a lot more opportunities in, in minor league that are out there um, in some smaller towns that might have a little bit less competition for uh, interns, things like that. Uh, but I also think that as as someone that really hasn't worked in the industry, it's tough to say as a sophomore or junior, like, hey, I want to go into ticket sales. Uh, there's there's not that many people that know specifically that at that stage. And that's where I think minor league gives you that opportunity to kind of get your feet wet in a couple different areas. And so you're working game days, you do a little bit of marketing, a little bit of sales, whatever that is. And um, you, you really get to understand what you like about the industry and can help target and um, just kind of sequence your next opportunity a little bit closer to your wants and desires versus kind of going down a path that you may or may not like just because you think that's that's where you have to go. Um, so I think that's an important piece is to start cultivating those experiences. And it doesn't matter if it's, again, a professional or minor league or uh, even amateur, but just trying to get those uh, experiences. And it's it's to me as as a hiring manager, it's not so much what you gained in terms of experience from it. It's the signaling that you received because you were involved in this, this and this, uh, but not the specific things um, like I sold tickets like that's good. But um, I think at the other stage is like how involved were you to understand the culture or what it took to be successful in the organization. I think the exposure to it is is really important for those folks um, as they're applying uh, for positions. Few positions. That's uh, one of the uh, intricacies of sports is that it's not an insurance company where there's 20 insurance companies in a in a city you can go work for. There's one team, two teams, three teams, and that's it. Um, and so your your options are limited. And so competition's fierce. Um, and I think it's really important for folks to try and set themselves apart in a couple of different ways. So one being your resume is your resume clean, easy to read, because it highlights the most important aspects of what you've done um, in the previous roles that you've had and really showcase and signal to your potential uh, hiring managers that you're ready for this opportunity, uh, that you've sacrificed things throughout college, uh, maybe on the social side of things to get prepared for this opportunity. I, mean, I think all that's really important is that you're trying to communicate in a piece of paper or, you know, again, virtually. Um, so I think those are important, but I think there's other ways too that, uh, especially now with the connectivity uh, through things like LinkedIn or um, using some of the online services that are out there, like there, there's ways to connect with folks in the industry really easily and to have informational interviews uh, to try and understand about the culture or to really showcase yourself even before you're applying. So I think the combination of those things is really having that, that experience, building your resume up, but also doing some networking on the side. Uh, people are open and ready to have conversations in the industry. I like how you kind of wrapped it up in terms of just reaching out to people, kind of learning about what it's like working in, in a sports organization. Because at the end of the day, you're, you're going to be working with these people on the, on the daily. And if you don't gel with them or if you can't really find passion with who you're working with or what you're working with, then it's kind of like, all right, you got to find somewhere else to get into it because at the end of the day, your title and the organization you work for is one thing, but how you kind of bring up that opportunity, bring up that, that position itself makes it, makes it speak volume, kind of getting you to your next spot. Uh, and, and I love it too, about kind of gain experience to kind of learn what you like, but then also what you don't like uh, in a role of, all right, maybe I thought I wanted to get into ticket sales, but 
after working this internship, it's not, it's not for me. Uh, but having that knowledge in your college years is, is really important. That way, like you mentioned, just getting into your first gig that um, it's stiff competition. There's not as many organizations to, that have that position that everybody wants to get. So you have to make yourself stand out with your resume, uh, just through your connections as well, and really being a standout candidate. Uh, which kind of leads into my next question is uh, during the interview process and during the application process, what are some key things or just things that are repeatedly uh, seen in the candidates that you do end up hiring? Yeah, so I, I think um, probably some of the things that, that really stand out to us um, when I look at it, I don't spend a ton of time looking at someone's resume and all the little bullet points that they've got on there. Um, I, I think for me, there's a couple of signals that I'm looking for. And one is, do you have internship experience or Call it job experience and hey, I worked for this team over the summer or something like that. Uh, that's that's really number one uh, that kind of stands out because it, again, as you were just mentioning, it's it's that culture piece and trying to understand the industry is it's not a nine to five job and there's there's sacrifices that people are going to have to make, um, you know, from their personal lives or whatever that is to work in this industry because we might have a game on like you're in the NBA, you're working Christmas Day, um, that's an honor to do that, um, or you know here we've got games not Christmas Eve, but December 23rd. And so, you know, you want to travel home for the holidays that you might not be able to do that necessarily the way that you like a traditional job would allow you to. So I think people that understand the industry and have been through it is, is really important for us to, to see that. Um, and also the, the true job experience that we talked about and being um, exposed to what happens and what goes on with the team, I think is really important. Um, another thing I look for is volunteer experience, uh, whether that's uh, in the sports industry or not. Um, I, I think, again, it's just another signal to us about people willing to sacrifice for something they're passionate about. Um, and I think that we, we don't lack um, passion when we hire people because there's so much competition for roles that finding people with passion isn't a hard thing to do. Um, but we want to find people that are willing to make a sacrifice for that passion, that are willing to say, I'm excited to work 45 Oilers games, 34 Oil Kings games and playoffs and everything that comes with it. Um, and Granted, we, we have, you know, we try and give our reps lots of work-life balance and we think that's important, but at the end of the day, there, there, there are trade-offs. And so that volunteer experience kind of shows, again, uh, that highlight to the passion that they have and they're willing to do what it takes, uh, not getting paid to, to get there. Um, so I think those are, those are two of the, the main things that we're, that we're looking for in there. And then the third one for us too is a signal is we like to look for sports management grads. It doesn't mean that that's exclusively who we hire. Um, but it's, a, again, a good signal that I already know at this stage, this is the direction I want to take my career in. And, um, but as someone that didn't go through that, that type of program, uh, the experience has to speak even more volumes about you and how you can uh, contribute to the organization here. Throughout the process, though, I think of, of real importance for us to, to identify, um, we love to see people that are engaged with us throughout the process, not just during the times of, hey, here's your interview time and let's have an interview and that's the end of it, is we like people that one, if you're uh, applying for a sport or a sales job here with our organization, did you reach out to someone that's on our sales team, ask them what it's like and how they enjoy it? What do they like, dislike? Um, and try and understand the culture a little bit before you even jump on a call with us, I think is an important one. And we've seen that over the years. Um, those people have really stood out to us because you can do some research online and learn the stats and whatnot of the team, but that's really irrelevant to the interview that we're having. Um, which is going to be about ticket sales and your personality and leadership potential and things like that. Um, so, and then another, another one is thank you notes are really important uh, throughout the process. Um, 
handwritten is uh, is definitely preferred because it stands out even further. But uh, we understand that sometimes things move quickly, so email thank yous are really important as well um, throughout that process. And just trying to stay engaged, ask questions, um, and try and build that rapport outside of the interview times is something that that uh, definitely stands out to us. I mean, you spoke a lot of a lot of great topics or a lot of great points mm -hmm. about ways for our audience, for our listeners to stand out for their for their next opportunity in the sports industry by gaining that experience, relevant experience in the sports industry, so that candidates know what they're getting themselves into. Uh, a lot of the sacrifices and trade-offs are going to be made while working in, with the sports organizations like NHL or NBA that's during the holiday season, as well as if you go into the playoffs and make it to the finals, you're going to be working all, all the way until June. So there's a lot of a lot of games there to kind of be involved and kind of think about, as well as kind of just volunteer experience as well, kind of finding that passion or, or what, what kind of passions uh, are you like outside of your kind of career goal or your career passion for sports? What do you like outside of work so that we kind of know who you are as a person as well? Uh, and then kind of being engaged throughout the whole application process of taking this time to kind of reach out to people who are already at the organization that you're applying for, seeing what they think about uh, working in this role, or if they have somebody out there to kind of help them help them out along the way. Uh, and then just kind of following up after every conversation, whether it's an informational interview, uh, a formal interview, or even just at the end of the process, if you do get accepted or, or denied, just still reaching out and saying, thank you for this whole experience. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, and then also just a great way to kind of keep organizations in mind uh, of who you are in the event that maybe this wasn't the great chance, but down the line, we may have something for you and you may be on, on the top of our mind, just given how well you handled or how well they handled that whole process uh, to begin with. So, yeah, and I I'd even I chime in even on that last piece, like that's a great point is like the follow up, even if you aren't successful. Uh, but one of the things I've found to be, um, again, kind of leaving a really lasting impression on, on your hiring managers um, and a good per, uh, personal development piece for you is asking, hey, where could I have improved? What would have uh, what did the, the candidate that did get the role um, do that was different than me? And how can I improve in those areas? And I think those things can, again, help you one, like here's some like critical feedback from someone in the industry uh, saying, like, work on these things. But at the same stage, it shows your commitment to development. And I think uh, being a sales guy, one of the things that we preach to our sales reps all the time is a, a, a no isn't forever. And so, again, keeping that relationship going. And this is a great kind of kickoff point for the next time that they're hiring is saying, like, hey, you told me I, want, I was supposed to work on these things. Here's what I've done in the meantime. So um, I think there's, there's a lot of value to that point that you brought up. up the whole conversation of no is not forever. If you're really passionate on getting back to that organization or, or going to an organization where you know you want to be with that leader or with somebody that you, you're like, I want to work with them uh, for the longest time, still kind of keeping that relationship, no matter uh, the success or failures that, that may come during that process. Uh, but at the end of the day, you talked about relationships, and that's kind of where I want to transition our, our conversation next to is. Uh, when you got onto the Edmonton Oilers, you kind of got in uh, at the tail end of uh, their time over at Relic's place and moving uh, into Roger's place. Could you tell our listeners about kind of that whole experience and that whole transition going in from uh, Rexall? I just realized Hang I screwed that yeah, yeah. Rexall place <laughs> you got it, yeah. uh, over to Roger's place. Yeah. So, so I started about a year and a half uh, prior to our transition. And that was, that was one of the key ingredients and in why I was getting hired at the point uh, that I was is wanted someone to come in and try and understand the business, but also work on the, the transition on the ticketing side. And we had a 
phenomenal team uh, to support on that, that, uh, that really led the charge. And I was able to um, join into that crew uh, when I got here. But I think the, the one piece uh, that was really important for us is trying to understand um, and trying to, I guess, educate our customers on what the new arena is going to be like. Um, and so we're going from an arena that people are very comfortable in, um, that has a lot of history. Stanley Cups won in that building uh, from the, the heydays of the team. And people really cling to those memories because, I mean, it is a truly historic building. Um, but we're moving to a new arena downtown. The parking's different. The seating is different. Like Everything is is uh, completely different than what the fans were, were used to and what their comfort level was at. And so there was a lot of education that went along with that. We went from a... Uh, to a much larger lower bowl. So we went from a 6,000 to a 9,000 seat lower bowl. We went from, uh, we had a lot more premium seating than we had before. Um, and it, where it was just strictly uh, luxury suites to, we had suites and theater boxes, which are kind of four person, four to six person suites um, to loge seating where it's a half moon, four tabletop um, that you get. Uh, or our chairman's club, which is an exclusive club, which we only have 66 seats for, and you get uh, all-inclusive food and beverage and the opportunity to see the team walk from the bench to the dressing room. Um, so all those things was, was an education process. And so uh, from our end, we, we did a lot of surveying with our fans to try and make sure we hit the note uh, with the right products and those sort of things uh, before we even launched it. And um, so throughout the process, there was... Uh, both, I'd say, some automated and um, technological pieces that we utilize for part of the transition and the relocation from one building to the next for our ticket holders. But we also did some analog pieces, too, where we had a um, presentation center that had all of our premium seating set up and some of our regular bowl sitting. So fans could actually come in, test it out, see the dimensions and like walk into what an actual suite would look like um, in the new building. And so those things, uh, again, that's as real as you can get um, and, until you have the, uh, the actual facility in your hands. But uh, the transition was, uh, was really successful for us. Um, we did all of our seating online. Um, so we didn't do in-person appointments to pick your seats or things like that. It was all done online. And um, I think the communication was uh, an important piece and how that was uh, detailed out to fans on their time to pick their seats and how to do it and what seats were available, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, but again, when you move into the new arena, there's lots of things that you don't know until you get in there and you start to see sight lines or things like that. And so, um, I mean, all the challenges that you would face with the new building, uh, we were able to uh, get those under our belt. And I think it's one of those experiences that uh, not a lot of people in sports get to experience and uh, transitioning from one building to a brand new facility. And I'm proud to have that on my resume and uh, lots of pieces. Again, if I were to ever be in that situation again, that you can kind of draw from to say, yeah, we did this and here's why it worked or didn't work um, yeah, to pull that all together. But the facility that we have now is absolutely world-class. Uh, we're very, very grateful for, um, for the arena. And um, I think our, our city really embraces uh, what we have available to them as well. And uh, again, it's still, we're seven years into it and still continual improvements and always looking to get better at what we do and, and how we present um, our product to our fans too. I think that's, that's a great story about kind of the whole transition of working in a, in a historical venue, uh, especially with all the Stanley Cup history uh, and, and great players like Wayne Gretzky playing over at uh, Rexel Place. Rexel Place. <laughs> I got to keep you saying got it I'm, now. I'm, I'm always going to say Rolex. I'm, I'm trying to say Rolex, but I'm like, no, X is first before the L. 
but but anyways, kind of just that whole transition of understanding that, that season ticket members are, are comfortable with where they've sat. Maybe they've sat there for years, uh, decades even, and then just transitioning to a whole new arena is going to be a challenging and, and just a, a different atmosphere in itself. Uh, so for you and your team to be able to kind of provide actual touch points for them and be like, all right, this is what it's going to be like. And then also working with them along the transition with the new arena and kind of understanding, all right, what was good on paper isn't necessarily what's working out as fans are in the arena. So we need to make some adjustments here and there. But overall, just having that communication with each other and just helping out, educating uh, season ticket members along the way of like, here's the whole process. Here's the deadlines. Here's what needs to be taken care of. We'll help you in every step, but just make sure that everything is taken care of uh, right before that, that grand opening. And then also after that grand opening, what can we do to still improve your experience uh, in a brand new arena to still make it even seven years later, still make it a fun and, and uh, a fresh, refreshing experience every time you come to Rogers place. Yeah. But uh, I mean, just kind of hearing about the story about the whole transition from Rexel, always <laughs> it right there, Rexel place to Rogers place. Kind of another thing that kind of came up to, uh, in my mind was kind of your experience uh, moving moving abroad from California, from the Bay Area, uh, to from your your time over at Ontario College, to then uh, eventually moving from your your uh, working with your family business to then getting to Kingston, uh, Ontario as well. Can you describe for our listeners what was that process like to then kind of make the decision of even though there there are markets uh, hockey markets in the United States, what what brought you uh, back to Canada? Yeah, I, I mean, it was uh, it wasn't an easy. Uh, easy thing um uh, trying to apply like on the technical side applying for work visas had lots of starts and stops on that um but eventually got it through and it, it was it was quite the process that we had to uh to go through to actually get my first work visa and uh, we had we got support of the mayor of the city wrote a letter and the general manager of the arena um we had it was probably a couple hundred pages um, like it was a brick that we sent in of uh, paperwork uh, to try and support because again at that stage it was trying to prove that there was uh, not someone not a Canadian that could do the same job um, with the same experience and so uh, there was definitely some hurdles to jump through but we did get that uh, approved and it, it's it, it is a challenge for folks um, going you know cross-border either direction um, because especially at the more the entry-level positions um, as you move up, it becomes a lot more um, uh, plausible because, uh, again, you, it's it's harder to prove at that level that you don't have someone that uh, living there that can already do the job. So, um, so technically, there, there were some challenges, but I, I think, like personally, uh, making the move was the first time. You know, I I, I knew some people up there already, but uh, coming up to school there was uh, definitely an experience. Uh, I didn't know anyone like my my uh, grade or anything like that, and so I was going out there strictly to meet new people and. Trying to experience that, and um, you know, you're you're there for a reason to to have these experiences, and that's what prompted me to even start my internship with uh, with Kingston. There, the first time was just a phone call, and I said, literally, like, can I help out any way possible? I don't care what it is. I'll sweep the floor. It doesn't matter. I just want to be involved. And I think uh, it was it was about seizing the opportunity when I was uh, when I was there um, and trying to take on more without people asking me to do that. But I think even coming back the second time at, at that point, my wife was Canadian. Um, and uh, so I had the that connection. And so it made a lot of sense for us from a personal perspective. Um, I think the between the two countries, there's lots of similarities, but lots of differences in, in, in culture and 
I'd say business etiquette and things like that, that are a bit understated when you just kind of look at it at surface level. Uh, but as you dig deeper, you're involved in it and making sales and things like that. Just some of the nuances that are unique to uh, the U.S. or Canada are definitely prevalent there, which I think you're going to get even across the U.S. from one area to another. Um, but uh, for me, uh, you know, it was it was a transition, uh, but uh, loving life in Canada and uh, am now a, a dual citizen here. So happy to say that, too. There you go. There you go. Dual citizen, <laughs> citizenship, U.S. and, and Canadian. Yeah. Uh, Great to hear, but I like kind of what you said about just kind of dealing with the transitions, kind of going over the hurdles, because that's some things that people may not think about when they're going across borders is just the, the whole process in itself of getting a work visa and then having having the backing too, uh, for yourself to kind of go and say like, all right, well, if we're having somebody that can do it here at home, like why, why, would, why would we go outbound for somebody to, to take on? Yeah. Uh, so just showcasing that like I, I'm worth that shot. Uh, and I, I deserve that position just as much as anybody else, or even more deservingly. Uh, and then also just the last thing about kind of getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, what, what would you kind of say about kind of for, for our listeners who maybe want to maybe are looking at places that aren't necessarily in their hometown or in their home state, but still see great opportunities, uh, either nation, nationwide in the U.S. or even abroad in, in Canada as well? Yeah, I, I think that the, probably the most important piece is, is probably trying to understand the organization you're going to work for um, and understand the culture there, I think is probably more important than the city. Um, unless you've got very specific tendencies or things that you, you're looking for in a city. But for me, it wasn't so much um, specific things I was looking for in the city. It was really is the opportunity there, the culture there. And I think for folks that are, again, moving away from home for the first time uh, to take a job opportunity or trying to apply for that first job is that trying to apply for that role in, in your home city may be ideal, but end of the day, like we talked about, there's not 20 different teams there. In most cases, you know, you've got a couple and the opportunities are somewhat limited. So in sports, you do have to be uh, a bit flexible and uh, ready to move. And I think the big thing is that like you move there, there's lots of uh, uncomfortability with moving to a new city and trying to understand it and all that. But I, I think if you do your due diligence on culture for the organization, that's really the starting point um, to make sure that you've got really good, comfortable surroundings. So when you come to work, you're not, you don't have that anxiety of like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to fit into the culture here. I don't understand the city. And it, it all starts to add up. Um, we see it quite a bit um, because we recruit uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of individuals from Ontario. Um, so they come out here again, really not knowing anyone. And we try and create an environment from day one for all of our staff to feel that they're home and welcomed uh, onto our team. And so we do a lot of team building pieces over time and uh, really try and remove those uncomfortable moments and just strip it all down and say, here we go, you're part of the team, you're gonna make mistakes in front of us and that's okay. So we're gonna make lots of mistakes in front of you and trying to remove that anxiety and just get them <clears throat> off the ground and performing right away. Um, and I think that bleeds into personal lives uh, outside of work too, is if you're with people that you like at work, it's easy to transition outside of work um, and have um, you know, those personal relationships outside um, and uh, which leads again to a little bit more being ingrained in the community and meeting other people outside the organization. So uh, I'm a big believer in it. I think it's important for everyone to live outside their hometown for a little bit and uh, learn about, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a new culture or uh, whether that's in a different country or just a different area of the, um, of the U.S. And I, I like how you brought up again, kind of the organization and culture kind of being there to hopefully support the individual that's applying for that spot. Because at the end of the day, moving and moving to a, a brand new city, a brand new 
um, area that you're just unfamiliar with can be daunting. It can be just difficult to find a community, find a support group out there. Um, and if that organization that you are applying for already has those in mind of like, all right, we understand that you're not coming from your hometown or we're not getting a lot of individuals who, who live here or know the area. We wanna do what's best for them in terms of just making sure that they feel comfortable coming in and that they feel like they're part of the team and that uh, they're, they're more than welcome to kind of uh, just be themselves as well and, and trying to do their best and, and help them along the way, no matter uh, what, what comes their way with any screw-ups that happen, like, all right, we acknowledge that happened, but that's okay. Like, we'll, we'll get through it. That's a learning process uh, and we'll move forward. And, yep. and that, that's that's it for us, too, is that we know we, we know that um, coming in is we're hiring entry level employees onto our sales team. And that's a great, great piece because there's lots of learning opportunities. And we, again, try and create that culture from the beginning. It's like it's OK. To, we want you to step outside your comfort zone. We want you to fail because that's how you're going to learn. Um, and it's it, I would say it's not just uh, lip service is that we, we really try and, and make that part of our culture and hold everyone accountable to the same standard, whether it's day one or day 100. Um, and, uh, and again, there's lots of learning and teaching along the way. And we think that's important for both uh, professional development, but also personal development along the way too, is we're not trying to create just great salespeople and hit sales numbers. We're trying to create really great professionals that can grow within Oilers Entertainment Group or anywhere within the industry. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and yeah, just kind of understanding too, the opportunities that are there uh, with, with that organization of like, all right, well, although we are part of the Edmonton Oiler group, we still have the Oil Kings. We have events running at Rogers Place with concerts and, and other shows that go on. We want to make sure that you have that opportunity to, to work, at, work, at, work at them and experience, all right, what does Rogers Place look like on an on-game day, but still a packed crowd? Um, and just understanding, all right, well, maybe a, a concert goer may like one seat, but maybe it may be different from our uh, Oilers fan who prefers a seat to be this way versus another way. Uh, just understanding those little differences between uh, the venue type and also just the venue atmosphere as well. Um, yeah, completely. And, then, and I think that's that's really important. That's kind of going back to my original point on it is like moving to a new city. It's like, is it the right culture fit for you at the organization? And are they going to give you, if that's what you're looking for is to learn about, hey, I'm coming into ticket sales for the hockey team or whoever, but I want to learn about concerts and stuff here. Are, do you have that development opportunity there? Um, and are they are they um, willing to embrace that and help coach you along to get to where you want to get to? I think all those things are really, really important before making a, a big move like that. Right, right. And exactly. Just kind of making sure you get as much research and, and as much information as possible about who you're applying mm -hmm. for and, and who you eventually may may end up uh, working with. Uh, yeah. just, to, just to know that you'll have that support uh, through the tough times and, and even through the great times as well. You want to celebrate with each other. You want to want to boost each other up uh, during those high moments as well. Uh, uh, but to kind of before we wrap things up here, um, Jared, is there any kind of key thing that you want our listeners to take away before we head into Flash Fridays? Yeah, I think um, I think probably the biggest thing is to really push yourself whenever you're whatever grade you're in school, push yourself to get out there and get that experience. And uh, it might not just be the hey, I'm applying for this role. It might mean you've got to. Uh, reach out, do a cold reach out to someone that's uh, high up in the organization to see if you can have a conversation with them and try and learn and, and build your network a little bit. Um, but I, I've seen lots of success from folks that have just reached out to me through cold, uh, cold interactions on LinkedIn or email. And uh, we have great conversations, great relationships that build off of that. And so I think uh, build your network, um, get experience and read lots of books. And uh, I think those are the three big things uh, for anyone to take away that wants to get into the industry.
three great things to kind of help boost our <laughs> listeners uh, into propelling their sports industry career. Uh, you said lastly to, to read books. Do you have any like uh, book recommendations right off the top, right off the top of your head? Yeah, um, I, I'd say uh, probably one of my favorite books uh, is uh, is called Made to Stick. Uh, by Dan and Chip Heath. Uh, it's a great book and they've got several others that are all outstanding, but Made the Stick is a great way. Um, I'd say it's a sales book for non-sellers um, and uh, gives you that uh, um, real insight on how to make your messages land with your audience properly and really stick there. Um, and so again, great if you're in sales, but also great if you're in marketing or any type of role where you're communicating to other people. Um, it just kind of gives you that uh, some real tips and tricks on how to stand out and make your message heard. And, and kind of sales is always going to be in the sports industry, regardless of your position. Sales is one way or another going to be a, a big aspect in, into what you do in the sports industry, whether it's in marketing, you got to sell, sell the team or sell, sell the organization. Or if you're in operations, you just got to sell the experience as well. You got to make sure uh, the concessions are there in, in time for, for your fans to kind of have a, a great experience when they join the venue. So kind of, Great recommendation with Made to yeah. Stick. Uh, I'll have to take a look at it and, and I'll make sure to let, make sure our listeners have a, a link to, to that book awesome. as well. Uh, but to wrap things up, we'll uh, finish things off with Flash Fridays. This is just a great segment for our listeners to get to know our guest speaker on, on the more fun side, not so much of the professional side, uh, just to get to know who you are. Um, so I have a few questions here from Victor. Uh, one of his questions is outside of work, what do you like to do for fun? out in Edmonton? Um, I love spending time with my kids. Uh, I've got a a four and a half year old daughter and a one and a half year old son. And uh, so anytime that I can get with them again, as we talked about, it's sports industry. We work a lot of games, a lot of event nights. And uh, so I really try and cherish the time that I have, uh, that I spend with my kids. And uh, that's probably the the biggest thing, Uh, but I'm also a big, uh, big runner, try and get up every morning and get out for a run before uh, getting to work. Um, is really important. And uh, as I alluded to, reading is another big one for me as well, that uh, um, when I get a little bit of free time, uh, that's uh, that's one thing I like to indulge in too. All right. Well, we got to mean great things about kind of spending time with your family, because I, I think as our careers kind of progress, things come along with families and just making sure that you have that time for, for your family, both your own family, and then also your your uh, interpersonal family, your your immediate family, uh, is what I was trying to say. Just kind of having having that time for yourself and, and your support group, uh, whether it's your friends and family, uh, to help you along the way. And then having some fun, having some exercise with, with running, and then just um, intellectually reading as well are, are great things to just kind of get by through the day or after a long day of work uh, yeah. or after a long game. But uh, it takes kind your of, mind off for sure. That's, that's right. The there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If it comes off a great win or a tough loss, one way to kind of get things off your mind uh, and kind of move forward to the next day. Uh, on to the next question from Victor is, what is your next career goal? Um, that's a tough one. I, I don't like to think too far down the road. I think uh, I'm a pretty big believer that uh, I think opportunities come to those that are exceptional at what they do and who are patient um, in their roles. And so I don't know that there's a next, uh, like a natural next step or anything like that. Um, I think it's trying at this stage to try and learn as much as I can uh, about obviously uh, my role, but trying to expand that knowledge base uh, without with uh, across the organization. Um, so uh, love what I do here. And I think there's always different areas that you can kind of dig into that are within your role and can help kind of boost lots of other areas that are part of 
uh, your professional repertoire. And so, for example, even just on um, overseeing our business operations with our AHL team in Bakersfield, there's it's a whole organization there. So we have a marketing function and ticket sales and game presentation and social media and a lot of those areas outside of ticket sales. I don't deal with on a regular basis here in Edmonton. So getting to um, understand the marketing perspective, throw in my two cents, see what's working down there um, and really try and help the crew down there build plans uh, for all those areas is really important too. And again, just giving that opportunity to learn a little bit more about uh, that side of the industry. And I think that's just kind of like a cool way to kind of expand your your, your focus and expand kind of like your, your capabilities as well of understanding with AHL with Bakersfield down there that Although you, you're, you're uh, focused in ticket sales, like why not take an opportunity to learn about their operation side or learn about their marketing side as well, just to kind of kind of continue that growth that, uh, blanket on the word for it, but kind of the uh, student to the game, essentially, uh, always yeah. trying to find a way to learn um, about the processes and, and why things function the way they do. That way, going into a situation where it may seem daunting at first, you can go, you can go like, all right, well, here's what I learned from marketing. Here's what I learned from operations that may help me with this new challenge that uh, wasn't really my ballpark initially, but I had that experience. I have some background knowledge to kind of uh, get through that problem. Um, leading into the third question, I want to provide a little bit more context or a little bit more of a lead up. Are you an animal person and are you a, mus or are you a music guy too? An animal person, probably not so much. Uh, we don't have any pets. Um... I like uh, other people's pets, but uh, none that come home with us. Uh, music, for sure. Uh, big Dave Matthews band fan and Tom Petty would be my two two big ones. Gotcha. Okay. The reason why I asked is because earlier this week, I just saw a video uh, where a farmer was just serenading his cattle uh, with a trombone. So my question for you, Jared, what animal and what instrument would you play to kind of serenade them to kind of relax their, their, relax their day? Oh boy. Um, well, I'd say probably if any animal, probably a dog. That's probably my, uh, we've got a family dog back in California. So say so that's, that's the animal. Um, oh, tough one here. Um, so I'm not very musically inclined, uh, but back in middle school, um, I was, uh, pretty handy with a, a soprano saxophone. Uh, so I'd say that I'd probably go back to those days and, uh, let the notes fly through that bad boy. So yeah. There you go. Any particular piece, or are you just gonna go full rip it, whatever notes come out, and yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah. sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I forgot how to read music, so you know, just uh, let it let it go. <laughs> gotcha. And, and then you mentioned earlier that you are a runner. Do you are do you have any aspirations for a marathon or a five k? Uh, have you done any five k's or, or marathons in the past? Yeah. So it's a great question. So I, I would definitely not classify myself as a runner. Um, but I like to run and I started doing this during COVID, uh, when, again, we all had a little bit more time on our hands and couldn't really go anywhere. And, um, what I found is, uh, it was just such a great way to start the day. Um, I don't go with any headphones or music or anything like that. I literally just go with myself and my thoughts, and it gives me a really great way to sort of organize my thoughts for the day, um, to rehearse a conversation, a tough conversation I might have to have, or, um, just thinking about strategy of, hey, how are we going to handle this problem or things like that. And so it's a really great way to clear my head. And uh, I've kind of looked at it like, I don't really have any aspirations to do like to time myself or check distance. I think it's more just like, 
it just feels great to do it. And I think yeah. um, eliminating all the competitive aspects from it, it really gets the job done for what I, uh, what I'm looking for out of it is just that time to, you know, clear my head and relax a little bit. Right. A way for you to kind of get away from the hustle and bustle and just kind of formulate some upcoming uh, conversations or upcoming events that are going to be important for you to just kind of yeah. run through your head uh, as you, as you actually run. Uh, so kind of leading into my question is if you had a door kind of on your way out in the morning to go on your morning runs uh, and it took you anywhere in the world, where would that morning run be before you had to go, go back home or go, go back to your, to your day? Oh, that's easy. Uh, be in Hawaii, um, and specifically Maui. And uh, yeah, to uh, go for a run there, I'd take that any day. No problem. Ooh, I, I'm just thinking about that kind of just like on the beach or like where, where are you thinking on, on Maui? No, probably just like on like the little boardwalks that they've got there by the beach. So you get you get the the ocean view, but you don't have all the sand in your shoes and, you and everything. Um, and you can again, whether it's sunset or sunrises, I should say. Um, but uh, just uh, love the just the the feeling in Hawaii, the pace of life, and uh, the sounds. It's just it's just awesome. So a uh, great place to always uh, always travel back to with the family. Nice. Well, we'll have to get you there one way or another, uh, whether it's before the season or after this upcoming season for, for the Oilers. Uh, but thank you again, Jared, for, for joining us on another episode of Front Office U. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and speaking with us about your experiences uh, in, the, in, the, in the sports of careers and, and through your experiences both in Canada and in the U.S., uh, working in hockey operations and ticket sales operations, and now with your current role with the Oilers as the Director of Premium and Ticket Sales. Uh, for our guests and for our, for, for our listeners, uh, what's the best way for them to con contact you and, and get, get a hold of you? Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Um, anyone can check me out on LinkedIn, and uh, I, I think that's that's probably the easiest method, and I can uh, respond to messages and connections right through there for you. All right. Well, we'll make sure to have our listeners uh, take note of that and, and direct uh, any conversations uh, through, through those platforms. But again, thank you so much, Jared, for joining us, and thank you, everybody, for listening in for into our another, uh, another episode of Front Office U Fridays. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know.